started. A couple of, about a month ago, our pastor came into my office and he said, uh, I've made a crucial mistake. I said, you hired me. No. Um, he said, no, I, I, I told my family that we would go on vacation. I just said, make it the last month of May. Well, apparently he forgot that there were five months or five weeks, five Sundays anyways, in May. And he accidentally scheduled it for the Memorial Day weekend, not paying attention to his calendar. And uh, so he came to me and said, hey, can we switch? I know that typically you do the fifth Sunday. So all of y'all that came in here are a little confused. Why are the youth up here? It is because we made a mistake and we decided to go ahead and change it. But it was neat for me because this is Memorial Day weekend. And we know what Memorial Day weekend, we set that time aside to honor all of our veterans and our soldiers who have been in foreign wars and have diligently given their time and their service. And right now, if you have ever served in our nation's military, we're going to ask that you stand up to be recognized by this congregation. Please, if you have been a part of our nation's military, please stand up and be recognized. Amen. Each one of them gave. Each one of them gave their time, and we thank you for your service. In fact, I myself was still, uh, and still in. Uh, typically, I go away every once in a while, but I'm here. And I'll tell you that each one of us that just stood up actually has something in common. Yes, we might have all served in our nation's military, but we served at different times. Some served in different branches. Some served in different places. But we have a common, a common trait here that we can all share together. And I'm going to tell you what it is, and you're going, to, you're going to laugh when I say it. Your first day of boot camp. You remember how that felt? I was scared to death. <laughs> I was only two weeks out of high school when I reported to basic training. I had no clue to not to do nothing. All of a sudden, I find myself on this bus showing up at Fort Benning because apparently they don't allow you to show up in the daylight. They always show up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Something crazy. It's never a normal time. It's never 8 to 5. It's always like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning when you show up and you're, you're, you're disoriented. You, all of a sudden, you're on this bus and you're looking out these windows and you're I've never seen that building before. And out of nowhere comes the meanest, biggest, baddest man. And he is on that bus and he is giving you instructions to get off his bus. And all of a sudden, everything starts going everywhere. And you, you're standing. I think I jumped out the window out of, by accident. And next thing you know, I'm on the ground. And he's yelling at us to stand, stand in place, stand in place. And I don't even know where to go. And he's yelling at it. I'm, I'm shuffling along, and I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden, he's running in these, in these squares, and they even got footprints on the ground to make sure you don't, even, you don't get lost, I guess. So I'm standing on these footprints. He's telling me to turn right. I turn left. He's yelling at me. I have no clue what to say. I said, yes, sir, because I thought that was respectful. He told me he's a working man. He doesn't get called, sir. He is a drill sergeant. And next thing you know, I'm all confused, and I'm on the ground doing push-ups, sweating everywhere, crying. And before I know it, it's, it's, I'm worn out, and I hadn't even started preaching yet. Good grief. But it's something common. I know, I know each one of us experienced it in some form of fashion. That was mine. It was hot as all blue blazes down at Fort Benning, Georgia. Uh, it was humid and hot, and there were sand gnats and ants everywhere. I don't know why they built that place on the, on the ant mound, but they did. But uh, it was certainly neat. And you know, the thing about boot camp, the first day was always chaotic. You're meeting everybody. You're, everybody comes from everywhere in the United States. And we all think different. We all talk different. I never, you know, they, they could point out all the southern boys really quickly. Ah, oh, y'all got that southern accent. I'm like, yeah, y'all got that northern accent. And so we... Um, we talked about how we say window, and you know, they say window, we say winder, and, 
And then we, you know, it went on and on. So we all, by the, it's all said and done. Our boot camp was about, mine was 13 weeks. Um, not because I chose to stay there. I was in the army, but it was infantry, so it's all one deal. Uh, but at, by the end, and this is what's neat about boot camp. You all came as an individual. When you graduated, you left as a unit. Left as a team. You left as a, as a, a you, could, you could have brought world peace. There wasn't nothing you couldn't do. Boy, the drill sergeant says, clean this bay, man. It was snap, snap, snap. Everybody was doing their parts. And it's like you were one unit, one body. I mean, that thing could move mountains. You needed grass cut, it was, it was cut in seconds. It was amazing. Well, you know, I got to thinking about service and, and that type of institution that I was a part of. And it made me think about, well, Christians also should move as one body. We should be one unit, think the same way, do the same things. Maybe not all the same things, but in commonality, we should be doing the same things. And so I found this in my heart to preach on this, and you're going to think it's crazy that we started Memorial Day weekend. As you can tell, there's a lot of people missing. And you're going to think I'm hitting on them, and you think I'm criticizing them, but I'm going to tell you our pastor's on vacation, so it's okay. You get one day out of the year to miss Sunday. This happens to be this one, the day I'm preaching. Hebrews chapter 10, in the 19th verse, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Now, the most holy place was where the, the Ark of the Covenant sat. And only one person was ever allowed in there once a year, the Holy of Holies. If you and I had entered in there with sin in our heart or unredemption in our heart, we surely would have fell dead. But here it says that Jesus opened a new life and a new way through the curtain into the most holy place. And then it says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciousness has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, today's message is not to hit on you about being absent from church, but it's, I want to really get into the Christian life. And I really want to get got this point, and be kind of driving it on. Can a Christian live a Christian life without being a part of the church or even attending church? Well, Certainly joining churches and attending churches will not save you. First of all, you have to do the first part. You have to accept Jesus, the Son of God, incarnated in human flesh because he saw there was no hope for you and I anymore. Come down on earth, born to a virgin woman, preach the message of the truth, that whosoever shall trust in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, went to a Roman cross, died, shed the blood of finalized atonement to the Father, and rose on the third day. 
That, in its message, is about being a Christian. But there's another part to it that you and I have left out. And I don't know where it started, but it has began. That we can be Christians without being a part of the body of Christ. And yes, you might be successful at some times. But being a part of the body provides us with great fellowship and comfort, as we will discover in just a second. We're to live our life in accordance with the Scriptures and with a clean heart. You see, when we as Christians, we present ourselves as a pillar, as a light. And people do recognize that. In my walk, of course, I'm in a ministry, and people know that. But when I put on my uniform, no one knows that. I don't wear the cross because I'm not a chaplain. They don't know what my job is, but they do know that I am different. And I can tell you soldiers have a different language. And it's tough being around them the way they talk at times. But I always set myself apart. One day, a little boy walking down the beach as he was doing on a vacation, he spied a woman sitting under the beach, uh, sitting on the beach under the umbrella. He walked up to her and said, are you a Christian? She said, yes. Do you pray often? The boy asked next. And again, she answered, yes. He said, do you read your Bible every day? She nodded and said, yes. With that final question, he said, will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? See, he was checking her out. He was getting some information. Is this somebody I can give something to and get it back, or is this person going to leave? That's what you and I should be as. They should be able to hand us anything. They should be able to hand us their hardest tragedy moments and know that they are safe inside of with us, that we will turn and give them prayer, that we will turn and comfort them and serve them. So with all that said, the, the New Testament tells us many times that believers should serve one another, should love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, and certainly in fellowship. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So let me ask you this, and the scriptures are pretty clear in this, but can you do all the scriptures say and not attend church? If your answer is yes, you can do all those things and not attend church, then somebody got it wrong. There's been a vital mistake. And I want to be serious about this one. Because in Matthew chapter 16, starting in the 13th verse, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah. And some say other prophets. Then he asked them this, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, and now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus asked Peter this important question, Who am I? The Son of God. The one who was... Saw you, children, lost, separated, who came to pay the final atonement. 
Therefore, the church was not built on a man. It was not built on Mike Franklin. It was not built on Charles Stanley. It's not built on some of the previous theological uh, teachers of our time. But it was built on Jesus as he says here, I will build my church. My church. Not your church. The church is a living, breathing organism. It is not dead. I hear this a lot. Oh, the churches are dead. The church is dying. Churches are popping up all over this country like you wouldn't believe. They might be small, but they're coming alive. And they're doing great things. So if you come to church and you don't like Solid Rock Baptist Church, there are at least 10 other churches between my house and yours that I can put you in. I don't care where you go. I just want you to go. And I want you to go to a proper church, a good church, a church that preaches the word of God. Not ashamed of it. Not ashamed of the gospel. But upholds it. Evangelizes it. Tells others about it. Serves others. Lots of churches out there to do that. Not just Solid Rock. We're just one of many. But who makes up the church? What's inside it? Is it just carpet pews and sheetrock walls? Somewhat. That's the building itself, but that's not it. The church is made up of believers in Jesus. We make up the church. Romans 12, 4. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So let us not neglect our meeting together in fellowship. There are many churches, and that's fine. And there shouldn't be any excuse for people to make it. But I understand, this is not, this is not harping you for not coming. I know that my son, when we were growing up, we were involved in soccer, and we used to have to travel, and some were in softball. I'm not getting on to you. That's not what I'm saying. But there are opportunities to get to the church and for different reasons. And the first reason is, is that church provides us with relationships. You know, I've been married now for going on, getting ready to go on 19 years. After last night, it could have been my last night. And I'll tell you what I did in a minute. Never mind, I just saw my wife in the back. I might not tell you. But church provides us relationships. And those who are married know this very well. You can't have a relationship with your husband or wife if you don't ever talk to them. If you don't ever spend time with them. It would be really convenient to get married and move away. For some of us, I'd be broke and hungry and dirty. And I'd wear a bunch of dirty clothes because I don't even know how to wash. But once a week, we should set aside some time. Set aside this Sunday and say, you know what? I'm going to make a point to go to church because there are people there like-minded like me who have some, the same thoughts as me, who need things just like I need things. That we can come together and I can share my heart and they're going to provide comfort for me. Inside that time, we get an opportunity to come and feed our souls. Sure, you can worship by yourself. I've, I know the deer hunters out here. I know that you have some great moments in Christ when you're in that deer stand by yourself. And you're seeing the sun just twinkle up and everything's kind of glistening. And you're often wondering, man, is that what heaven looks like? If you've got to shoot your deer in heaven, I hope... Not. Hopefully there's Chick-fil-A's on every corner in heaven. Amen? <laughs> I love Chick-fil-A. But I'm sure you can do a lot of by yourself. And some people 
who are physically unable to come to church, and they're in these situations. Some are in assisted living, and they can't leave. And you can do things on your own. You can, you can sing to yourself, and some of y'all do a really good job until you get up here on stage. And some of y'all, can, you should be praying. Prayer should be daily. And you should be studying your Bible. And those are all the things that we do here in church. But, and you should do those on your own, but you should do those also here. Because God told us to do that. He said, let us not neglect our meeting together, not forsake our assembly of each other. The day's going to draw near when it's going to get really tough to come to church because the persecution will be out there, and the Bible states it. One Sunday morning, a mother called her son on, and to make sure that he got out of bed and ready for church. I'm not going, he replied. She said, yes, you are going, so get out of that bed. He said, give me one good reason why I should go. She said, all right, I'll give you three good reasons. One, I'm your mother, and I say you're going. Two, you're 40 years old, so you're old enough to know better. And three, you're the pastor, so you need to be there. So church attendance provides us with this right here in 2 Timothy 4.15. I want to show you real quick. <laughs> 4.3, I'm sorry. For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. You see, believers who do this ignore the Bible in its entirety. They like to pick and choose. And there are those who out there that have done that. Churches have done that. Denominations have started because of that. But without proper teaching, you're going to like you're going to lack the insight. You're going to lack the understanding. You're going to read a passage of Scripture and have no clue what it meant. Who was it directed to? What did it really interpret out to be? You see, I'm, I'm, there's people out there really good about pulling out a piece of Scripture and tickling their ears. That's exactly what the Bible says right there. And they love to harp on that, and they love to tell others about that. I'm pleased that they go and tell people about Scripture. But don't be picking and choosing which ones you want to hear because they're all as important as the first one. Period. You'll lack God's will. Without proper instruction, you will lack God's purpose and plan for you in your life. It wasn't that long ago where I sat right over where these men are sitting right now. And I came into the church attending just as a visitor. And I started making relationships with people in here, having, making friends. And all of a sudden, Mike starts preaching and I start receiving the insight in God's will in my life. I never knew I would be a preacher. Still not. But I never knew I would even get into the ministry. I didn't know that was the direction that God was pushing in my life. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't want to go until I continued to instruct myself more daily. And when, as I read the scriptures, I knew that God was preparing me for a work in his ministry, in his kingdom. And I've still just gotten started. I'm still working on a master's program. I should have earned a doctorate, two of them, as long as I've been in school. But I'm still going through it. One day I will finally get my high school education. It prevents you from wrongly interpreting Scripture. And this is vitally important. Because there is and always has been those who are going to pick Scripture and interpret to their liking. But Paul describes that itching ear and tickling ear. And here's what we should do. Compare the Scripture with Scripture and you'll never go wrong. And you'll stay away from the myths, the, the unsound doctrines, and the gossip. Think about this. If you were a lost person and you read the Bible for the first time, it would be pretty confusing to you. That's why you were asked to read it again. So when you accept, that's when the discipleship starts. You start teaching. You start learning. And you start 
looking for those avenues to receive God's teaching in your life, to interpret it better. You see, there were times when I used to interpret Genesis, well, that clearly had to be a time gap in there. I didn't know. I didn't understand that God's word was the infallible word of God. I didn't understand what it said. That was the truth. If it took seven days, it took seven days. Not 7,000 years, not 7 million years. And there were things in there I just I couldn't even pronounce. There's still words in there I can't pronounce. That's why I have to use my little Bible dictionary to go ahead and, and pronounce it for me sometimes. I don't read Greek and I don't read Hebrew. But I make challenge to myself to study God's word. So ask yourself this question. Without any biblical instruction, how much would you know about the Bible? Would you even be able to put all the books in in order? Not that you need to know that, but it sure is good to be able to flip and know where the book of Matthew is, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, the book of John. Lastly, church attendance provides accountability and strength. And I want to be very clear on this one. Because the longer you stay away from the church, the further you get away from God. I ran into a friend of mine yesterday. That was Friday. And what he told me almost shocked me. I knew that he was a good man. I knew he was a Christian man. He was involved in a church. And the first time me and Karen ever came back to live in Covington, we visited this church. And I said, are you still going to the church? And he said, no, not really. I said, really, what, what happened? He said, well, you know, we've changed pastors a good bit of times. And, and you, but you know what hurts me the most? Not, you know, that's just, that's just one part of it. But what hurts me the most is that nobody knows I'm missing. I even ran to the pastor. And he didn't know I was even gone. And I used to teach. I was a teacher. He didn't know I was gone. And I've just been kind of visiting other places. See where it leads. And I thought, yeah. That is a sad thing, but I am going to let you on a little secret. Most of the time, if all you are is attending a church and not involved, especially in a church this size, there are many times when I don't know you're not here either. You could go for months and I wouldn't know it. Yes, I walk around the church and shake hands, but I, I, don't, I don't see all, all of you all the time, and, and I don't, I'm not checking down my little black book to make sure that I saw you on Sunday and, and that you're here and and that, and that is hard for us. But let me tell you where you can be known that you're missing. You see, each Sunday at 10 o'clock, we hold what they call Bible study. The old school fashion was called Sunday school. We call it Bible study. Inside those Bible study classes is a teacher and a manager for that class. And when you show up, they take your name, they get your address, and they start checking your attendance. And so when you don't show up for a couple of weeks... One of those people are probably going to look into that attendance sheet and say, you know what, they haven't been here. Let me make a phone call. And through that phone call, they can discover where you've been. What happened? You okay? You mad? If you're mad at the preacher, let me know, and I'll send the gossip around. But that's where the accountability happens. Yes, we can have congregational worship, and we assemble. But I'm not going to know when you're not here. Pastor Mike isn't going to know when you're not here. Those small groups are going to know when you're not there. Those small groups are designed for that. To keep up with you. Find out what's going on with you. Instruct you. Fellowship with you. They have meetings all the time. So to say that you didn't get a phone call from one of us, I'm going to ask you what Sunday school class you into. If you say you're not involved in a Sunday school class, I'm like, well, how do I know you're not there? 
Don't blame me. You can pick up the phone and say you're not coming. They don't send it straight to voicemail. The longer you stay out of church, the more likely you are to be conformed to the world. And nothing's more evident than Jesus' teaching in the book of Matthew. When he talks about those who accept Christ, accept the word, sprout up, and then fall away. And so when those hard times come, those shallow roots that had no discipleship training, no accountability, what happens? They dry up, and that person withers away. The only way you're going to have firm and solid, deep roots is to continue to be a part of the church. It's difficult to do it out there on your own. Can it be done? Yes, it can be done. But that's not what the Word says. God says, let us not neglect our meeting together. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says we should work at telling others about the good news and to fully carry out the ministry that God has given us. Well, how can we do that if we're doing it all as individuals? Yes, we can go out there and evangelize, but we can sure do it in better numbers. Missionaries all the time, that's where they come from. They come from a group of believers, like-mindedness. The church sends them out, and they represent you and I in those areas. But if they didn't show up, they wouldn't receive the instructions. There would be no accountability to them. They are accounted to the church. And therefore, they would go out and evangelize all these, these areas in the far reaches of the, of the world. It's much harder to bring the gospel by ourselves, I can tell you that. We're just one vessel. But when a bunch of people are telling it, the word spreads. In our softball program, this is what took place. Each one of our coaches, every night, took time to study the Bible and teach it to those players. And we started seeing player after player turning their life over to God. It wasn't just one person doing it one Sunday. It was a whole bunch of multitude. The group acting as one body. One unit, together, like-minded. We all had the same focus. We all had the same vision. We all had the same mentality. Spiritual gifts are used as a collective. That's why church attendance provides us with the strength. You and I are all given some type of spiritual gift. Together, we can do more. I have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. I don't have them all. You have the ones I need. We work together in this. Yesterday, yesterday I went to the lake to clean up my, my dad's boat. It's been sitting on the lake all winter, and so it had gotten nasty and moldy, and there was a bunch of stuff on it. By myself, it would have been pretty tough to do what I had to do. I had to go and I had to get the trailer, had to take it over to the boat ramp, had to take the boat from the boat place over to the trailer and put it on there to bring it back. Well, I started doing really well as my wife drove the trailer and got it close to the ramp. Have you ever seen somebody don't know how to back up a trailer, right? It snakes it way down. So I took care of that. But then I get the trailer in the water. And I start ready to pull it up onto that trailer. And I missed. I went far left. And I went far right. And my, my helpful son was standing there. Dad, go left. Dad, back up. Dad, come forward. Dad, go right. And I said, you know what? It would be so much easier if you would help me. Instead of just instructing me all these places. You could get in the water and we'll just put the boat on the, on the, on the trailer itself. So after about 20 minutes of hee-hawing around and going back and forth, we finally put that boat on the trailer. We worked together. There was some strength in there. We had some accountability. You and I have these same things. Church attendance is important. It is. 
I know the pastor's not here. He's on vacation, but he didn't leave. Every one of us deserved that moment. But showing up, being a part of the body, working together as a unit is scriptural. It's commanded. Provides us with relationships, attendance, and accountability and strength. One day while walking down the street, a highly successful human resources director was hit by a bus and she died. Her soul was met at the pearly gates by St. Peter himself. He said, welcome to heavens. Before you get settled in, it seems we have a problem. You see, we've never had a human resources director make it this far, and we're not really sure what to do with you. No problem, just let me in, she said. Well, I'd like to, but I have higher orders. What we're going to do is let you have a day in hell and a day in heaven. And then you can choose whichever one you want to spend eternity in. She said, actually, I think I've made up my mind. I prefer to stay in heaven. Sorry, we have rules. And with that, St. Peter put the executive in the elevator and went down to hell. The doors opened, and she found herself stepping out onto a putting green, a beautiful golf course. In the distance was a country club, and standing there were all her friends and fellow executives. They all came up and kissed and, and hugged her and were all cheering for her. They played an excellent round of golf, and that night they went to the country club where they enjoyed an excellent steak and lobster dinner. She met the devil and thought he was a pretty nice guy, and she had a great time telling jokes and dancing. Everybody shook her hand, and she waved goodbye, and she got back into the elevator. The elevator opened at the pearly gates, and she found St. Peter waiting for her. And she spent the next 24 hours lounging around in the clouds and singing and had a great time. Before she knew it, her 24 hours were up, and St. Peter came and got her. He said, you spent a day in hell and a day in heaven. Now choose your eternity. He said, the woman replied, well, I never thought I'd say this. I mean, heaven has been really great and all, but I think I have a better time in hell. So St. Peter escorted her to the elevator, and again, she went back to hell. When the doors opened, she found herself standing in a desolate wasteland covered in garbage and filth. She saw her friends were dressed in rags and were picking up the garbage and putting in sacks. And the devil came up and put her arm around her. I don't understand, the woman said. Yesterday I was here and there was a golf course and a country club and we ate lobster and we danced and we had a great time. Now all there is is wastelands and garbage. And all my friends are miserable. The devil looked at her and smiled. Well, yesterday we were recruiting. And today, you're staff. You see, just attending church is not going to save you. But meeting together will provide us with relationships with Christ, provides us with instructions in his word, and gives us accountability and strength. You see, it's really easy. It is very easy to wake up Sunday morning and say, you know what, I'd rather just spend my day here at the house and go do something else and not take up my time and have to come to church. And if you want to follow that same pattern, and this is one for you parents, if that's the pattern you want to follow, then guess what's going to be right behind you following that same pattern? Your children will do exactly what you did. If you don't instruct them to go to church and make them attend, they will not attend when they grow up and become parents. And then whole generations will be lost from the simplest designed plan Satan himself has ever come up with, and that is make the world look better than what the church has to offer. And when the day comes, it's going to be a sad point when all those people are standing around and saying, well, why didn't you make us go? 
We didn't know that's what took place. As our band makes its way back up, 